This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. So this is the next in our series of podcasts in which we're, we're around the theme of uh, economic development is more important than ever. Uh, we want to highlight some of the things that economic development professionals are doing in their communities uh, to help uh, weather the uh, COVID-19 crisis today and then prepare for uh, reopening and re-entry. Today I'm going to be talking with uh, Jennifer Pearl. Uh, Jen is the president of the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation, and Jen, I really appreciate you spending time with me today. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure. So, uh, as I looked at, and as you and I have talked, um, I, my impression is that of, of many of the communities that I've uh, talked to uh, and have uh, looked at websites, Bloomington really seems to have gotten an early start in organizing um, what you actually were calling the economic stabilization recovery, but really which, which was kind of a rapid response. So uh, give me an idea who has been involved in that process and, and what are some of the things that you've been doing initially? Um, thank you. Well, it sort of rolled out in a couple of different phases. Um, I remember March 13th was our last day in the office and I started talking to a couple of our other partners, um, including uh, the United Way and a few others, and we realized that we all needed to be talking to one another across sectors. Um, and so that started first, where we launched these community-wide calls. Um, the first one, I think that following Tuesday, um, March 17th, we had something like 40-some people on the call. And then um, as, as that moved forward, um, the city of Bloomington and Mayor Hamilton um, reached out um, to say, hey, we'd like to have a deep dive of focused effort on recovery, stabilization and recovery. So the city of Bloomington launched two parallel working groups. One was the Economic Stabilization and Recovery Working Group, or ESR for short. And another was a social services working group. So um, among the ESNR group, uh, it's the BEDC, our organization. We have the Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, CDFI Friendly Bloomington, the Mill, a member each from city and county council. And um, kind of early on spearheading some of our early efforts uh, was really the city's um, economic sustainability, de sustainability department. Um, these are all partners that we've been working with before, but we really did a much deeper dive in collaboration and started working with one another in, in much greater ways than before. I was, I was seeing and talking to these folks far more sometimes than my own husband <laughs> in my own house. Um, and so that's been fascinating. So we've had the, a couple of parallel tracks, you know, we've had that focused work through that group. Um, but we also continued with these uh, broader coalition calls across the community, uh, which have continued to this day and are across sectors. Well, so, uh, and, and I think it's the cross-sector work that is beginning to uh, dawn on a number of uh, communities. Uh, because the, the, some of the challenges that, uh, you know, people are facing 
uh, are not as siloed as they might have been before. And the, and the example that I use is, you know, that small business owner, uh, he or she, you know, may have come uh, to, to, to you or to the chamber or the SBA in the past and said, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a business loan. Well, they may still be looking for a business loan because they've had a, an income disruption, but now uh, they're having trouble paying their mortgage. Now they have to figure out how to create a healthy workplace uh, in a way they've never had to before. And they're worried about their employees and, and sort of their health and other stuff. And so it tends to be, it's starting to be a much, one person is, you know, perhaps landing at sort of a usual spot, but with a much broader set, a set of questions and things. So how do you anticipate, as you kind of think about those cross-sector things, that, that you're going to start those conversations or have them about how you're addressing some of those broader problems? Yeah, so, well, it's interesting to see these things happening in parallel. On the ESNR group, uh, we've worked in three phases. So the first phase was launching a rapid response fund of um, $1.5 million in public funds to support small businesses um, through loans to get them until they could get other funding. At the same time, um, you know, our partners at the mill, which it was um, Indiana's fastest growing co work space um, prior to the pandemic, things are still going well for them. But um, you know, they launched a navigator function to help answer questions from businesses. The chamber was, you know, they set up on their website, MonroeCountyCOVID19.org, you know, as a re repository of information that we were pulling in from across the sectors. Um, phase two of VSNR's work has focused on reopening resources led through the chamber. And then phase three is being led through the BEDC, looking at longer term recovery efforts that we need to do. Um, more to your question on this, the cross sector and like, how do those conversations happen? Um, those coalition calls that I mentioned that were, they started off twice a week, now they're once. They're co-hosted by the Bloomington Chamber, um, the Ellettsville Chamber, two chambers in our community, uh, Bloomington Health Foundation and the United Way and the BEDC. And so it's been fascinating to see all of these conversations roll out because every week we have updates from government, from nonprofit social services, from higher education and K-12, um, from business and economic development. And so we've had a consistent like 25 to 30 um, that have been every week on those calls. We're updating one another. Uh, we started to see like reopening committees that have spun off from this for the you know, schools and other things where they're inviting some of these partners to the table. Sometimes we work together before, but, you know, I know for our organization, we find ourselves working with people, you know, in deeper ways than we had prior and starting to say, hey, how can we connect, for example, what you're seeing in social services to what we're doing in economic development? Because if people are getting displaced from jobs and needing social services, well, they have information and connections with people to programs maybe that we're developing or that we could somehow try to reach them through our recovery efforts. So it's been a very much a discovery process. We're talking about sharing data with one another. And then just as, you know, we keep touching base to say, hey, how can we connect these efforts? How can we continue to connect? So as you've done that, because I'm very interested in that process, because, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this, uh, about the statewide coalition that we've put together to try to, to help filter down 
to those various organizations uh, at the community level, uh, some collaboration models. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've heard uh, early on is that, you know, there, some of the groups, so for example, when I've talked to other economic developers, they said, well, we knew those people were out there and we knew those groups were there, but we didn't know what they were doing and we don't know how to talk to them. Uh, because we, you know, the different sectors, we have our own vernacular, we have sort of our own acronyms and stuff. How, how difficult or how easy or how have you been able to navigate some of those just, I mean, just that learning curve of what those different entities are and what they do and what they bring to your table? We've, we were really fortunate going into this that we're a pretty um, networked community. And so even if we weren't necessarily working with one another, you know, we would see a lot of the different partners at events or, or other things like that. Um, we also were really fortunate to have some seeds that had been planted before. So here's an example with, um, if we talk about schools, um, you have the Ready Schools Initiative, which is something that uh, ROI, Regional Opportunities Initiative, which covers 11 counties in our area. Uh, they, ha they have been working with for a few years now. So we were already beginning to talk to our schools about, hey, how can, how can economic development be at the table and connecting the dots with workforce and connecting the dots with training those that are coming forward. So it was, we had started to develop a common language and um, ways, and had already been exploring ways that we could be working together. Uh, another example is United Way um, on the social services side. So they have data, for example, um, the ALICE data, which um, is for asset limited, it's a long acronym, but it's asset limited households. It's essentially a band above um, poverty. Um, and they've had that data and, you know, I'd been talking to their executive director for some time to say, hey, how can we, how can we leverage that to better understand the parts of our community that are maybe being left out or who have been displaced, et cetera. And then, you know, in these regular, so, you know, so workforce and people and people are at the core of economic development. That, that is what we share, you know, is how do we serve the people in our community? And so when you start from that is your starting point, and maybe some people call it clients, or maybe some people call them workforce or, or community members or whatever, but we're, we're talking about often the same people. And so it's figuring out, oh, what information do you have? What information do we have? How can we share that? How can that inform our initiatives? And then that sparks an idea of, oh, maybe we can connect the dots here. And so as part of that, as part of our workbook conversations, we've had Maureen know from uh, Indiana United Ways, and we do have a link to, for example, to explain what the ALICE data are. Um, but that probably for a lot of economic developers is, uh, is a new sort of data set, a new concept um, that, that they haven't had to think about before. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the things that makes Bloomington unique is that you do have that level of, of connectivity that you've had in place before. Go, go back to, you know, you talked about sort of the three levels uh, of, of sort of in uh, the three different phases or the three different steps early on. H how are you, what kind of metrics have you tried to, to put around that? How do you know, and 
I two questions. One, how do you know that you're making progress? So uh, what kinds of things have you been tracking to see uh, uh, progress over time, even though it's been a short period of time, it feels like a long period of time? Um, so for phase one on the loans, um, and those have really run, the administration of that has run through the city of Bloomington. And they've uh, been putting out weekly reports and reporting publicly to city council on, on the progress on how many people have applied, how many people have been offered loans. So it's um, to date, as I think of la as of last week, it was about 40 loans had been approved um, for over $1 million. And they are also tracking metrics, for example, of, you know, what type of business is it? Um, is it a, you know, woman or minority owned business? Because, you know, they were very um, clear about wanting to be as inclusive as possible and connecting to people who may, you know, may not have access to more traditional sources of support so that we made sure that we were hitting, you know, as much of the community as possible. So were the um, sources of those funds, were, were the sources exclusively through uh, city government? So they drew on um, food and beverage um, tax dollars, uh, which had to be approved in advance, as well as uh, the Bloomington Urban Enterprise Association, which is for a specific geographical area in town because they also had a pot of funds. Um, and, you know, underneath that umbrella, um, nonprofits and cultural organizations could also apply for some of the funds as well. Okay. Sorry, I got you distracted. You were starting Not at all. But when you, when you talked about that fund, I wasn't sure exactly what the original source was. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so those, those were the sources. Um, on the other metrics, um, so reopening, um, I think the chamber has been tracking, you know, who's been reaching out, what kinds of questions have they been getting, and they've been using that to inform uh, recovery um, programs for small businesses over the summer. For example, a summer of support campaign um, for people to support businesses either remotely or in, in other creative ways. And then um, we're still on the early stages of this whole long-term recovery piece. Um, so a lot of that is, we're, we're in the data gathering uh, phase at this moment in time. Well, so that's the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about specifically because of, of all of your peers that I've talked to about sort of what they're doing, what they're thinking about doing, uh, you're the only one who has specifically really talked about uh, data. Uh, and it seems to me that that, that that becomes a really important piece of, of knowing if you're making progress or knowing sort of what the challenges are. And yet I'm not sure, I'm not sure the concept of tracking data or collecting data or even knowing where is on a lot of radar screens. So, so and, and you know, I can't imagine that being in the community where Indiana University is located, that anybody there ever thinks about uh, data at all. Uh, but, um, but take that all aside. So, so what kinds of things are you thinking about in terms of uh, data that you'll be tracking? And, uh, and where, where will you access those data? So an amazing partner has been the uh, Indiana Business Research Center, um, which is based at IU. They have an office in Bloomington as well as Indianapolis. Carol Rogers is um, one of the co-directors. She's amazing. Uh, everyone should call her. 
And uh, she's open to it too. You know, um, the IBRC runs uh, Hoosiers by the numbers. They run Stats America. Um, Carol is the census liaison for the governor, um, as well as, um, you know, other platforms. They manage the unemployment data for the state and work with DOE. also manage the gateway portal. Yes. Uh, that the local governments uh, enter all a lot of their data into. Yes. So, um, you know, I was early on in the uh, pandemic, I, you know, reached out to her to find some information and we just started talking. And um, that is that is one area. There's also a center um, within the informatics program um, where they actually have USEDA funding for disaster resilience and also data management, and they partner with IBRC. Um, so that's David Wilde's group over there, um, for anyone who knows him. And so we have been talking of about how we can pull in information. You know, the first question is, what data do you need? Um, because this is pretty unprecedented, what we're dealing with. What, what will help decision makers the most? So this has been kind of a, an ongoing conversation at the end of April, we hosted a virtual State of the Bloomington Regional Economy. And uh, that's actually an annual event that we do. And it just so happened to fall at a time that was very useful for talking about the impact of the pandemic. So Carol came and spoke about, you know, what we're seeing by the numbers with unemployment, uh, how different industries have been hit so we can see who's hit the hardest. Um, but, you know, one of the things that they are starting to look at is modeling for, you know, who will come back the, the fastest, you know, what, um, what do supply chains look like? What do, you know, if, if a, a particular line of business has lost certain months of the year, that's like here, if you lose graduation season, which has happened um, with the university shutting down, that's like losing Christmas. Um, for many for many businesses um, so even looking at timing and so um, you know she gave an update along with uh, more quantitative or sort of more qualitative conversations we pulled in um, our Lido partners from Morgan Owen and Lawrence counties um, so um, Mike Marcy and Chance want to give a shout out to them um, it, those have been wonderful conversations because we've been talking about how do we link our efforts and how do we track what's happening across our communities? And then one of the beautiful things that's come out of the conversations with Carol is we're trying to put together an economic development dashboard um, with the data points that we need. So that is in the works right now. Um, they're building a prototype of between those two groups that we mentioned. Um, and we'll try to be testing it out. But ideally, um, if that is something that could be spun off and replicated for other communities across the state, um, you know, we're trying to beta test something here. But, you know, because she's got, because they have access to these statewide data pools, like this is something that ideally would be great to use in any community. So it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of conversations and just saying, oh, okay, we think we need this data point, but sometimes Carol turns around and says, well, actually, this one might be more useful for what you're trying to get at. Well, Carol's been a good friend personally, and she's certainly been a good friend to IEDA. And so it's always great to hear somebody saying nice things about Carol and talking about um, um, using her for data and uh, relying upon her because she is a wealth of, of 
not just data, but a, but a wealth of insight, just in terms of just her, her experience and expertise. So you, in that dashboard, um, what kinds of things are you going to be tracking? Um, because again, I think, and, and this will be sort of where we end up, but you know, we're entering into some sort of uncharted territory, even within economic development. Uh, so, so what do you think you're going to be tracking? It's uh, still a little early stage, so this may, it may end up looking differently than we're talking about now. But some of the data points we've been talking about are um, unemployment and the extent to which you can drill down at the community level and even see hot spots uh, within the community. Poverty um, maps as well. Um, actually, the Neighborhood Poverty Project um, just put out data on the neighborhood level of how neighborhoods have done over time. Uh, and that we find would be really relevant for hiring campaigns that maybe a local employer has. You know, to say, hey, we want to make sure we're doing outreach to, to get good employees in, in the hopper here. Um, have you hit these areas of town, for example, and maybe through channels that those individuals um, might not have gotten otherwise. I will say this, our conversations with um, the United Way and some of our others who are working with food insecurity in our community, they, they mention in conversation, hey, we should get this information in the hands of caseworkers. If you know about somebody that's hiring, because they're going to be on the front lines, um, we should put flyers at food pantries where now they're seeing gig workers show up who had not been using the food pantries before. Um, because so these are these are families that we need to connect to that data. So it's it's like finding out where the individuals are and where we can be connecting with them. Um, and ideally keeping them out of a need for social services by, you know, through job creation and, and supporting, you know, all these uh, different initiatives. Um, other data points that we're looking at, um, possibly, you know, PPP data, uh, unemployment data trends over time. Um, and then a few others that were kind of just considering what, what would be a best fit. So it's sort of a work in progress right now. Well, it's interesting. The, the, the other thing that I think has been a, 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 an interesting theme through some of these conversations with economic developers is uh, how the degree to which they find that they now are having to start uh, thinking about tracking health information, health capacity, and uh, I think some of them have reflected that there's always been questions on, on an RFI or a, with prospects sometimes about hospital capacity. Um, but I think, you know, one of those new areas that people have had to, to really sort of traverse for the first time is just understanding um, health, uh, understanding a sort of liability that comes along with health now that that becomes an issue and just how we start tracking and are able to communicate, uh, again, sort of health statistics within our communities, health capacity, um, and, and as part of resiliency. So there are whole, there seem to be a whole question of data points that then have not been certainly on economic developers' radar screens, or in some cases, uh, it may have been tracked, but not something that people were paying attention to before. And, um, and that, I think, has been an interesting byproduct of some of these conversations is how important being able to talk about health 
has become uh, when that was not necessarily, mm, it was a byproduct of economic development in the past. Well, and it's fascinating because I, um, a couple of jobs ago, I worked in a school of public health. And one of the concepts we talked about was social determinants of health. And that that really hits on the interrelationship. You know, for, for an individual to be healthy, it depends on jobs, quality housing, family support, community support structures that are in place, education, schools, wages, access to transit. And um, in economic development, we're starting to hit on all those themes in conversations about inclusive growth. You know, it's if we're talking about jobs, jobs for whom? If we're talking about advancement for the community, for which parts of the community? Is, are we only talking one segment or are we talking everyone? And so um, it's, it's trying to take a look at these things more holistically and tie it together. So I think that leads into to the last topic that, that I, I, I want to talk about. And it's the last question that I've asked uh, all of your peers that have uh, uh, done these podcasts. So if you think about, uh, you know, sort of January, February 2020 and how you were spending your time as an economic development professional, and then as you think about uh, June, July, August and beyond, um, sort of pre-COVID, post-COVID, how do you think your job as an economic development professional will be different uh, before and after? And how do you think you'll be spending your time differently um, as an economic development professional uh, after all of this, as we, we, we get on the other side of this? So I think that the going through the pandemic locally has catapulted us through some things that we had already talked about doing. You know, we, we had talked about doing um, a comprehensive economic development strategy equivalent in our community or SEDS. And honestly, this was like SEDS in reverse, you know, because all of a sudden you're thrown at the table with a whole bunch of different partners and saying we have pieces. How do we figure out what the needs are and then go from there? Um, you know, we're still, we're still planning to do something like that, but it's going to look different because, you know, things that you normally would have been planning for, we've just done. And it's, it's deepened our collaboration and honestly crystallized our vision and helped sharpen our vision in ways that hadn't before. So for example, um, you know, the BDC in our community, um, you know, we've traditionally helped, obviously, employers relocate here and find a place to grow. Um, you know, we launched the Life Sciences Partnership in our community and the Bloomington Technology Partnership and B-Start, which is um, a pre-accelerator program. Um, our organization also helped launch um, the Mill with the City of Bloomington, which is that co-work um, startup space to help entrepreneurs get off the ground. Um, but now we're, we're taking a step back and saying, okay, what's missing from the employment ecosystem? And as we're trying to look at where our community can grow in the future, it's not just helping our current employers recover, but it, it's saying, where do we need to be going? So if you look back to 1980 in our community, if you walk into the YMCA, there's actually a plaque there with corporate donors to the YMCA. And it's GE, Otis, Westinghouse. It's these companies that are no longer here. And so this has accelerated our conversations locally to say, 
not only how do we help our employers be strong through this process, but how do we make sure that we're positioning ourselves for future competitiveness? How do we make sure that we're connecting all people in our community to where we can be going? And that's, that's been an amazing process to go through. Pandemic's not amazing, terrible thing, but this very positive thing has come out of it. And as we talk about that ecosystem, the startup to accelerator to grow to then exporting or attracting FDI, this has really crystallized um, our vision and helped us to look at, okay, where do we need to shore up these pieces of that um, life cycle of an employer in our community to make sure that we are working with our different partners to support them through this process, diversifying where we need to and positioning ourselves to the future. So it sounds as though, I mean, you're, you're continuing some trajectories that you were on before, but that there has been a little bit of a sense of urgency added in uh, and that it maybe has fine-tuned at least some of your, your vision for the future. Absolutely. And, you know, we're looking for how we can leverage all the different things happening in our community. Um, I-69, uh, which, you know, connects us north and south, is huge. Um, connects us to the region. Um, we're, we're building a regional hospital right now, the Bloomington Health Hospital. It's the IU Health Regional Academic Health Center. Um, we have the Trades District, which is an innovation district that's been developing over time. We have um, the old hospital site. Once they move out, they're going to be redeveloping this huge swath of the community in the core of Bloomington. And so it's enabled us to say, where are we going? How do we re-envision this? And how do we work with all these different partners that all honestly do touch on different aspects of economic development in different ways? And so that tent, the, the economic development tent has gotten bigger. And um, knowing that we all have a piece of the puzzle here, and if we're not working together, we're really missing out on opportunities. I appreciate that. I think that's very cogent. I appreciate that. So uh, what haven't I asked you about that you uh, just were dying to touch upon today? Um, I think this covers a great deal of it. You know, one of the things that I would like to say um, is, is to talk a little bit about the types of partners that we have. You know, so we collaborate with our, our two local chambers. We collaborate with local government. Um, the local tourism board, Visit Bloomington, um, their executive director sits on our board. I sit on their board. Um, you know, the local convention center, um, the mill, which is the accelerator. We have uh, higher education and K-12 that sit on our board as well. And so, um, you know, just being able to take a closer look at these collaborations and, and see where we're going uh, and see how we can deepen, deepen these conversations and have genuine partnership, not just show up at a meeting and say, Hey, we drink some coffee and then leave, but say, okay, what are your needs? What are our needs? How we do, how do we fill these gaps in our community knowing that we can't do it alone? Um, you know, if, if one organization is trying to own one of these issues, they are far too big to be handled alone. Like housing, Broadband, Can I, I can't even tell you how often these challenges come up uh, in our conversations. Um, 
The other thing I would like to hit on too, and this is, you know, we look forward to working with IEDA and then also our sister organizations across the state. Um, we don't want to have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. Um, if somebody's doing something where we can learn from one another, or if people are, are facing challenges in other parts of the state where we could brainstorm together, broadband is a great example of that. Housing is another great example of that. Housing we knew was, you know, this is something we've been talking about for some time in our community, and I know it's been a challenge across the U.S., um, but, uh, broadband has been coming up again and again and again as a challenge and as something that has um, really stymied people across sectors right now. Um, and so I think finding, finding the opportunity to have more conversations and, and looking at new, new models and new ways of doing things, I think is um, a very good opportunity for us moving forward. And I think we had been, certainly IEDA and, and, and a number of our partners have been talking, for example, about broadband. And I think it was viewed in many cases as, as again, a business issue. Uh, I think this particular crisis um, has, has really heightened the sense of how critical broadband is and how it, it has created a new, um, class of haves and have-nots when you now have in rural areas you have the libraries who have uh, who have responded to a need by creating a web dome over their parking lots so people can come in with their kids and sit in the parking lot and get access to, to uh, a Wi-Fi so that they can do their schoolwork um, and and so it has really heightened I think for a lot of people uh, the urgency about advancing that broadband. And so again, I think uh, this particular circumstance has, has again, provided an opportunity and created some urgency to create conversations and collaborations that were probably forming, but perhaps not with quite the same intensity as they are right now. So uh, I think that's a good, that's a good way to highlight that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I look forward to, Learning from others, if, if any, may I leave my email in case someone's interested in getting in touch too or sharing sure. ideas? Um, my email is jperl, J-P-E-A-R-L, at bloomingtonedc.com. Um, and I, I always welcome the chance to talk to folks. We've really appreciated the IEDA, you know, providing forums and platforms um, we always appreciated your trainings in person when we were doing that um, <laughs> and the opportunity to network with others around the state. Um, you know, I mentioned a lot of our uh, regional collaborators. I also want to give a shout out to um, Jason Hester over in Columbus because, uh, you know, they were some of the first uh, to launch their local COVID coalitions, you know, and we were, we were inspired by that here and that fed into a lot of our conversations. Um, and so we always welcome the chance to exchange information and, you know, just figure out what can, what can we all share and learn from each other so that we can be as strong as, as possible working together. Well, I hope that we keep IEDA as a platform for that happening going forward. Um, uh, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate the leadership that you're exhibiting uh, in uh, forming coalitions in Bloomington and your, your area, as well as reaching out, obviously, in a regional level. Uh, so thanks for your time. Uh, today I've been talking with Jennifer Pearl, 
Uh, Jen is the president of the Bloomington Economic Development Corp. Uh, so Jen, I want to uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone stays safe and well. All right, thanks. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, and all rights are reserved. Thank you.